Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Thanks for joining us again this week on Healing at the Speed of Light, your weekly laser therapy podcast specifically designed to be listened to by patients. My name is Jason Roundtree, and I'm your host today. I'm also the founder of Laser Therapy Institute. What we do is train healthcare providers how to apply laser therapy so that you, the patient, can benefit. Now, today I want to talk about something I hear all the time from patients. Why doesn't my doctor do laser therapy? Or why doesn't my primary care physician utilize laser therapy? Why didn't the orthopedic doctor know anything about this when I went and asked them? Those are great questions. A lot of people have that question. And this may help a little bit today. It doesn't cover everything, but we're looking at guidelines for healthcare providers. Now, guidelines are put in place to give your doctor some level of left and right lateral limits. Make sure they're moving ahead with treatment that's been proven to work and that is proven to be safe and cost-effective. And guidelines that are well-designed can really help your doctor know what type of treatment you should be pursuing, what kind of testing you should be getting. So if we have these guidelines, why don't they list laser therapy? Because if they did, many, many more physicians would know about laser therapy and they'd be using them. Well, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, that we covered a lot, a lot of studies on laser therapy and how great laser therapy can work. As a matter of fact, this year alone, there's been more than 380 studies published on laser therapy. That's incredible. That's a huge amount of research. And that right there is almost part of the problem. There's a ton of new research coming out, and many, many times the guidelines are left in the dust. Today, I'm referring back to an article that came out in July of this year. It's titled, Guidelines versus Evidence. What can we learn from the Australian guideline for low-level laser therapy in knee osteoarthritis? A narrative review. This was published in Lasers in Medical Science, uh, like I said, in July of 2020, just recently. And they absolutely demolished this guideline that came out in 2018 uh, and recommended that laser therapy not be used for knee osteoarthritis. These researchers just tore it apart, and it is really a pretty incredible read and a criticism of how we handle our healthcare guidelines and some of the problems that could arise from just utilizing the guidelines. Now, knee osteoarthritis is a degenerative condition of the knee. It's a wear and tear disorder. It's not inflammatory rheumatoid arthritis. It is osteoarthritis, wear and tear, sometimes stimulated to start happening because of an injury. You twist the knee, you sprain it. Uh, You can end up with inflammatory changes happening, and that leads to degenerative change. You have bone spurs that can form around that joint. You have cartilage loss that happens, the joint space shrinks, the knee starts grinding and crunching, becomes very painful. That's knee arthritis, and every year there are thousands of knee replacements being done around the country uh, and around the world. And so this particular Australian guideline from 
2018 for what to do about knee problems, recommended things like massage and hydrotherapy, and recommended against things like prolotherapy and acupuncture, also recommended against use of laser. And that must have really irritated somebody because they started digging into this guideline and found massive problems, huge problems. Now, I won't go into every bit of detail, but let me just tell you, just because laser therapy is not part of the standard of care, just because your doctor doesn't know much about it, does not mean that it doesn't work. It does not mean that there's not evidence out there for it. The problems that these researchers pointed out with the guideline they were looking at or were multiple problems. And it started with the fact that the researchers putting the guidelines together didn't do a comprehensive search of the literature. This 2018 guideline didn't use any studies newer than 2012. They also missed dozens of studies in their search that could have supported laser therapy. And further, they took so long to put this guideline together that in this paper they said the lengthy time frames associated with guideline development by committee and the folly of publishing guidelines that are not reviewed and updated regularly has a huge impact on what is actually acceptable to use in clinic. So your doctor, if they're looking at guidelines, will see that a guideline says, no, you shouldn't use laser therapy. And they don't necessarily have the time to go read all the studies themselves, and they don't realize the guideline is flawed. Another problem was the subjective interpretation of the evidence. The guideline said it costs too much, it takes too long to perform, and you have to have a, a medical professional delivering it. Well, that's not really any different from a lot of other treatments that are done. It only takes 20 to 30 minutes maximum for a laser therapy treatment to be delivered to the knee, and many healthcare providers can deliver laser therapy either alone or at the same time that they're doing exercises with you or helping to stretch you out or assigning some home exercise programs, even using other modalities at the same time. And yeah, it does need to happen two to three times a week. But if you do get laser therapy two to three times a week, these researchers said that the therapeutic benefits of laser are based on modulating the underlying pathology. That means changing the actual disease itself. They say it provides tissue repair, modulation of inflammation, and neural blockade or pain blocking, which is cumulative over several sessions. So the effects from one session carry on into the next one and they all build on each other to not only help with pain, but to help with tissue repair. In contrast, many of the recommended treatments in the guidelines are for symptom management, only lasting a few hours, like uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or a few weeks at best, which would be things like cortisone injections. And as far as cost, the cost is actually very low when you consider some of the problems with opioid drugs and surgeries. As a matter of fact, there is a reduction in the need for knee replacements in patients that get laser over a six-year period with a huge amount of economic benefit. It costs much less to deliver non-invasive laser therapy to a patient's knee than to replace that knee. 
another thing that these researchers pointed out as a problem with the guidelines is that no experts in the field of laser therapy were consulted in forming this opinion. Now, well, you wouldn't ask highly skilled electricians to weigh in on plumbing methods any more than you'd want surgeons weighing in on laser therapy if they don't know how it works. And lastly, these researchers said the inflexibility of a guideline which is not updated when new information becomes available is a failure of evidence-based practice. Evidence-based practice means that when you're providing medical care for a patient that it's based on current evidence that has been published, things that we know scientifically are true. These researchers say if you can't update your guidelines, they are wrong. These researchers concluded by saying this guideline is flawed and it should be corrected immediately to support the use of laser therapy in knee osteoarthritis. Again, we're not talking about just relieving pain, but actually resolving tissue damage, modulating inflammation, and making the patient better with a non-drug, non-invasive treatment with minimal to no side effects. There's no downside here. So the next time that you hear that laser therapy is not real, or it's a sham, or it's not supported by evidence, just know that we still have a lot of human failings that can happen, even in the formation of these guidelines. And I guarantee you, the folks that formed the guidelines really did work hard. I'm sure they tried hard, but they're asked to do a very large, difficult task. And if they don't know enough about some of these modalities like laser therapy, they may come to the wrong conclusion. I'm really looking forward to seeing more studies like this, more papers published like this that are critical of the guidelines in the right place. When we have evidence that we know that laser therapy works, we should be supporting laser therapy in these treatments, in these treatment guidelines. If you have questions about this, if you want to know more, you can get a hold of me by sending me an email info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. I'd be happy to talk to you about the level of evidence for different conditions, as well as why your doctor may not know anything about laser therapy, why they may believe that there's really not enough evidence there to prove that it works. Until then, though, I will keep putting out episodes informing you about how laser therapy can be used for different conditions, and I'd ask you to keep joining me, if you would, to listen in. This is exciting stuff that's happening very rapidly in this field. Also, if you'd scroll to the bottom and leave us a review, I would greatly appreciate it. It will help other patients and healthcare providers find out about the podcast and know more about the scientific evidence behind laser therapy. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.